Welcome to Daily Drive Time Devotions. We are in Romans chapter 16 this week, day two of our look at that chapter. Today we're going to be looking at verses 6 to 16, continuing our look at this list of names through which God changed the world. Yesterday we began our look at this list of greetings and commendations from Paul to 27 people, two households, 18 men, nine women. Today we're going to continue our look at this list. Beginning in verse 6 where Paul says, Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. The Bible holds up the value of hard work for the good news of Christ. In verse 7, he says, Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who've been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. And they were in Christ before I was. They became believers in Christ before Paul. As Paul says, my relatives, by the way, in this verse, it could mean that they were of his family, but it more likely means that they were fellow Jews with him. There are obviously, as you read through this list, both Jew and Gentile, both men and women, both former slave and free, all throughout this list, showing that the good news of Christ reaches out to everyone. And Paul talks about these two who had been in prison with him and had supported him there. And then he says in the middle of this verse a phrase that throws a lot of people. He says, they are outstanding among the apostles. Many people think, well, wait, 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 apostles, Junius? I thought the apostles were Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and all those other guys. I thought the apostles were the first 12 that followed Jesus. Well, first of all, Mark was not an apostle, although he was a writer of the New Testament. But Matthew was, and, and John was. Luke was also a writer of the New Testament. And of those first 12, there are also some others in the New Testament who are mentioned to be apostles. What does this mean? Well, you sort of solve the ministry when you realize that the word apostle is used in two ways in the New Testament. Sometimes it's used in a more narrow sense to mean the original 12 that followed Jesus, but then it's also used in a broader sense. The word apostle can also mean messenger, uh, someone who brings forth the good news of Christ, especially into new places. And that's the sense of it here, outstanding among the apostles. It's outstanding among the messengers who are bringing the good news of Christ to places where it needs to be heard. In verse 8, he says, Greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Interesting name, Ampliatus. It's interesting in the fact that in the catacombs in Rome, there's a grave that bears this name. And that grave is ornately decorated. This was obviously a person that was highly honored among the believers in Rome. And it's possibly this very person that Paul is talking about here. It was an honored name in the church. In verse 9, he says, Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my good friend, my dear friend, Stachius. Urbanus, Hermes, Philologus, Julia. As we read through this list, these are names that were common in slaves in that day. We're going to talk that, about that a little bit more towards the end of this week. But again, throughout this list, you see people from all strata of society. In verse 10, he says, Greet Apollos, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. It's interesting the phrase, tested and approved. He passed the test. And the idea in the New Testament often of being tested and approved was that he faced some kind of suffering for his faith in Christ, and all could see that he'd been tested for his faith, and all could see that he had been approved. Why was he approved? He was approved because he had been faithful throughout the test, through the difficulties of life. In verse 11, Paul says, greet Herodian, my relative. Again, relative could mean a somebody from his household, but it could also mean a fellow Jew. And he says, greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Now, Narcissus is a strange name today because it reminds us of narcissism. We would never name anybody that. But in that day, it was not such a strange name. 
And this was somebody who was not focused on himself, obviously, but was focused on the Lord. Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Not self-focused, but Jesus-focused life. In verse 12, he has this interesting note. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. And greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Tryphena and Tryphosa, these were likely twins, the, the way the names read here. And their names literally mean dainty and delicate. And yet, Paul says, greet these dainty and delicate women because they worked hard. And that idea of working hard there has the idea of working hard to the point of exhaustion. Tryphena and Tryphosa, not a bad name for twin daughters. If you're having twin daughters, you might consider Tryphena and Tryphosa. Dainty and delicate, these are the names that you would give to aristocracy, to people who would be waited on all of their lives. But instead, these women, these women chose to work hard in the Lord, to give their hearts to serving other people. They didn't take their name and see it as some kind of a right, but instead they gave themselves to others to the point even of exhaustion. In verse 13, another very interesting name in this list, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who's been a mother to me too. Rufus is an interesting name here in that Mark, whose gospel was written primarily to the Romans, mentions also a Rufus. And he mentions Rufus in a way in which it seems that that man were familiar to the Romans, were well known to the Romans. So it is not so much of a stretch to see this Rufus that's mentioned here as the same Rufus that Mark mentions in his gospel. It's in Mark chapter 15, 21. And in Mark 15, 21, Mark talks about Simon, who was the father of Alexander and Rufus saying that the Rose in Rome knew who Alexander and Rufus were. This Simon, who was the father of Alexander and Rufus, is the same Simon that, as Jesus was carrying his cross, was entrapped by the Roman guards and asked to put the cross on his shoulder because Jesus was so exhausted, and to carry the cross the rest of the way to the hill of Golgotha where Jesus was going to give his life. Now, if this is true, Rufus and his mother are still both a part of this church in Rome years later. And if this is true, then this means that for Simon, what had become in his life a cruel interruption by this Roman soldier had become an almost impossible-sounding demand to carry somebody else's cross became the best thing that ever happened to him and the best thing that ever happened to his family. God works even in the difficulties of life. As you read on in the book of Romans chapter 16, in verses 14 and 15, Paul has a long list of names. He says, Greet Asyncretus and Phlegon and Hermes and Petrobulus and Hermas and the brothers with them. Greet Philologus and Julia and Nereus and his sister and Olympus and the saints with them. Now let me just, uh, quick by the way here, because there's so many names there. If you're ever asked to read the Bible and there's a long list of names, my, my encouragement to people is always read them confidently, like you know what the pronunciation is, because no one else really knows the pronunciation anyway. So if you read it very confidently, they're going to think, oh, that's how you pronounce that. And they're going to think you're a great student of the Bible. That's what I just did, at least as I read through these. As you read that long list, you know that Paul knew a lot of people in Rome and that he had seen God's work in many people's lives. And we get a little insight into some of these names as we read through this. But for most of them, the actions in their heart, the faith that they had expressed, we're never going to know the story until we get to heaven. But we know by the fact that Paul mentioned them that God used these people and their faith to change history.
In verse 16, he says, greet one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That was just an expression of affection. And what that means is you give to another believer an expression of affection that fits your culture. In Philip's translation, Philip's, who was an Englishman, translate this, give a hearty handshake all around. Well, that's very English. That makes sense. Here in Southern California, we might say, greet one another with a holy hug. The idea is give a physical expression of affection, that we're family, that we belong together. This long list of people in Romans chapter 16, 1 to 16, Paul says, greet so-and-so because they did this. Greet this person who did this. Greet this person who did this. What if your name were there? What if it said greet and then you put in your name? Let me ask you, how would you like the end of the verse to read? What if your name were written down for eternity in God's word? What would you like to be beside it? For me, it would say, greet Tom who, and how would I like it to end? Right now, as you're driving or as you're sitting and thinking, think of something in your mind or even jot something down. How would you like it to end? What would you write? I know the first idea I have is I don't know what I would write. But this is not something that we should let go of. If I asked you to write down a salary that you'd like to make, I think it'd be pretty easy to jot something down. If I asked you to write down even a car that you might like to own, it would be, oh, I could think of something. An age at which you'd like to retire, or a place even that you'd like to go on vacation. We could come up with those ideas. But what about what you want your life to stand for? Sometimes it seems so big that we cannot come up with an idea, but there needs to be a starting place. What about the totality of your life? If you can't write something down in your heart or on paper, then you end up not knowing what you stand for. And if you don't know what you stand for, you won't change anything. Romans is a book that changed history. Romans is a book that has changed millions. It would be a tragedy to read through this book without it changing me. Now, if God's brought a thought to mind, greet, and you put in your name, who, who what? who had a great faith, who infected others with hope, who changed the world because of the love for Jesus Christ. As a thought comes to mind, the next feeling that often hits is doubt. How could that be me? How could that identify me? We feel not at first faith-filled, but we feel inadequate. We feel afraid. We feel unsure. We feel, I've tried that before and I've failed. We're going to deal with those feelings the next few days. But before doing that, let's pray in faith. Let's pray in faith that God would give us the strength to stand for what he has made us to stand for. And just say to God in prayer, God, here's what I would like my life to stand for. When people think of me, I'd like them to think, greet, here's my name, who who shared his faith with others or who helped others when they were in need or who didn't know how to give up or who showed her family what Jesus is like, or maybe who had a great love for God's word. Or maybe God brings another phrase to mind. Whatever it is, pray right now, God, help my life to stand for what you made me to stand for. Help me to live in such a way that the world sees that Jesus has made a difference in my life. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Well, join us tomorrow. We're going to be looking at verses 17 to 20 of Romans 16.